Welcome to the Soul Traveler Podcast, an exploration of conscious living with your host, Jennifer Mitchell of The Soul Experience. Join Jennifer as she explores the quantum realms of the subconscious mind and all aspects of spirituality. Driven by curiosity and a thirst for knowledge, topics will stretch the boundaries of your imagination and revive your mind, body, and soul. Hey Soul Travelers, I had a beautiful conversation today with Andrea Frazier. She is the founder of the Shine Collective, Reiki Master, Transformational Coach, and Soul Plan Reader. We talked all about the importance of nutrition on your soul journey, chakra balancing, and her new upcoming Reiki course where she incorporates essential oils into Reiki training. Please show us some love by hitting the five-star button and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure you never miss an episode by following The Soul Traveler on your podcast platform. Now, get ready to expand your mind, body, and soul because we're about to embark on an incredible journey. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Jennifer. I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. It's so nice to see you again and uh, reconnect. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Yes, and I am really looking forward to learning uh, more about what you do and chatting about the Shine Collective and everything that you've created. You have such an amazing conscious network that that you've created. Thank you. Yeah. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your story and what prompted your journey and how, uh, to, into awakening and everything that you do now? Sure. <laughs> I'll give a, a shortened version. I think everyone's, I don't, uh, everyone's spiritual awakening journey is like always ongoing, but I guess there's usually some moment, a catalyst that kind of like takes us a little deeper and become more aware. So for me, I would say, you know, looking back, there was always little things I, I can remember now just just from childhood and, and things that I experienced and difficulties growing up. But when I was in college, I had the body pain, chronic pain, chronic mm-hmm. fatigue just started escalating and getting worse and worse. Um, looking back, I had episodes of it from elementary school, like swollen knees and joints, and I would always get tested for rheumatoid and Lyme's disease and it'd come back negative and mm. It just got worse in college. And then when I started teaching and became a teacher, elementary teacher, I just literally like couldn't function. <laughs> and for years, I also had like horrible menstrual problems growing up, pain, chronic pain, menstrual pain. And so it was when I was in my first years of teaching, I was finally diagnosed with chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. And I had actually two large grapefruit-sized cysts on my ovaries, <laughs> which appar- apparently had been growing since I was a baby, um, come to find out, which was contributing to a lot of the problems I had mm-hmm. with premenstrual syndrome and all the, all the things, all the pains. But it was after the surgery, then they finally diagnosed me with fibromyalgia and the fibromyalgia pain got worse and worse after the surgery. It like triggered it like into like full-blown, <laughs> couldn't move the recovery was pretty, pretty horrible. So at that time, I just, I didn't know anything about holistic healing, alternative Mm -hmm. medicine. So I just did whatever the doctors told me, (laughs) you know, I grew up in a very traditional household like that. And so it was multiple prescription drugs. And I was in Mm -hmm. my mid mid twenties at that time. So prescription drugs to sleep at night, once for the day to get through the pain. And after a couple of years of that and the side effects, (laughs) it was like, this is enough. One day I was driving home from work after teaching and coaching. I'd help other teachers after school, um, coaching them with their curriculum. And it was late, like it was dark at that point. And but everything was blurry, like driving home. And it was from the prescription drugs I was on. And I pulled off the side of the road and I just put my hands on the wheel, put my head on the wheel. And I just started crying and praying and I can't do this. Please show me another way. (laughs) At that time, I was kind of removed from religion or the church that I grew up in. So I just prayed to whoever, to God, whoever was listening. And my healing journey, the, the message I got, I heard about nutrition. You have to change your diet. 
and look up nutritional medicine. So it all started with food and changing Mm -hmm. my diet. So I went home and just started getting into to nutrition, eating more whole foods, plant-based foods. And that just like really was the initial catalyst to my healing and just releasing pain, chronic pain, inflammation, leaky gut syndrome. I had, I had all the things. So I was like healing physically, getting my energy back. And then that pathway, a lot of them in the plant-based world and all that were connected with more of those in spirituality and alternative medicine. So I started down that <laughs> down that path, went to a metaphysical fair, was looking for some crystals. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. there was two women there doing uh, sample Reiki sessions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is that? You know, like, okay, I'll try it. You know, at this point, I'm just like wide open, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just did a 15 minute session. And I was like, whoa, like, what was that? <laughs> And I just went home and started Googling and I was like, okay, I'm supposed to learn this. Like I'm supposed to use this for my own self-healing. And then the background as an educator and teacher, I knew I was going to teach it. So long story short, that's what ended up happening and ended up um, becoming a Reiki teacher and now integrate different things in in my services through Reiki and coaching and Mm -hmm. integration of um, essential oils. And I just had such amazing results with learning how to work with my own body's energies, to heal, to overcome fibromyalgia and ultimately learn emotional healing and balancing that that's what, you know, led me to become very passionate about helping others, right. Really tap into that source of power that, that they have within them to transform and improve any area of their life. So it's a little bit of my (laughs) background that got me on this path. You know, and one part about your story that really stands out for me that I hear time and time again is about how, you know, the troubles and the struggles that you went through ended up being your catalyst for awakening. Looking back now, and I kind of want to touch on that moment where you're in the car and you said that you heard this voice tell you, you know, to look up nutrition. When you look back on that now, would you say that that was like your first encounter or like channeling of maybe an angel? Would you say that was your subconscious? Like, what what do you think that that was in that moment? Um, You know, now I'm not sure because I think so many of it over so much of it overlaps. I do have connection with angels and archangels Mm -hmm. and connect with my higher self and and another spirit guide. So which guide it was at that time, I don't know. Now I know I have some very close that I'm very strongly connected with, but I also feel like we have different guides come to us at different stages of our journey. And so, you know, there's some that are with us the whole time. And then there's some that, that come and go, but at that time, you know, I'm really not sure. It was just this Mm -hmm. overwhelming sense of, okay. And then Reiki and through Litarian Reiki opened me up more to learning about specific guides and specific angels and who they were and certain ones I felt I started connecting with specifically after that. And I know that you said that you, so your journey started with nutrition and we don't get medical advice on this show, but (laughs) anybody who's listening right now who might be experiencing similar symptoms, like what was the one thing that you think had the most profound impact, like change that you made in your diet? Was it completely switching off of meat or did you start doing like juicing or like what really kind of helped you Mm -hmm. on your healing path the most to make you feel better? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it was definitely cutting out processed foods and just being mm. more mindful about the connection of of food and our energy and our physical body, right? Our physical body is the vessel, but food is energy, food is life force. And so I was eating so mindlessly and mm-hmm. for years didn't really make the connection, you know, so busy going to college, eating fast food, eating processed foods, even when I was a teacher, popping lean cuisine in the microwave, like, cause you mm-hmm. only have a limited amount of time when you're not with your students. And so I thought it was healthy, right? Like, oh, lean cuisine. And it was just such processed, you know, full of chemicals. And Mm -hmm. so once I started that, I did some several different detoxes and cleanses with juicing and smoothies. And it was like, I was just revitalized. It was like, I was alive again. I was eating foods that were alive. (laughs) My chronic pain started diminishing. And, um, So yeah, I would just encourage anyone to just start. You don't have to go. I think it's overwhelming. Like right now I've come completely full circle. 
what I'm describing to you was back in like 2005, six, seven, <laughs> like that's how long ago I started this. And then I kind of went on really, you know, pretty intense, different types of diets. And I've, I've read hundreds and dozens of books and taken courses. And I think it's very overwhelming for people. And there's like this black and white mentality about our diets and food and if, you know, what you should eat, if you're spiritual or not, or what you should eat for this. And some people are all in on like certain diets, right? Like keto diets or vegan diets. And I've come all the way around full circle now where I just see it in a totally different way. And even in my programs, my chakra courses, I teach eating for the chakras, like different foods that support us at different stages in our journey and just being more mindful and intentional about what you're eating and why and being Mm -hmm. very um, intuitive and sensing the food and noticing how is it impacting you? Yes, these people can say this and science might show this. And for some people, this type of diet works really well for, but maybe that's not the case for you. So just learning like bio-individuality and what your body needs. But I think everybody could benefit from eating more. We all know, right? Fruits and vegetables, foods that are alive, foods that have life force, foods that come from mother earth are going to nourish us. So I'm very Mm -hmm. passionate about that. I've been passionate about cooking and um, all of that for many years. So it's kind of come back full circle while I see food and nutrition very differently than I did at that time where what I just described to you when I was healing it was more like out of fear, like, oh my God, I can't eat processed food because it's going to make my pain come back. Or I can never have this again. I can never have this again. And it was just, yes, I was feeling better physically, but the spiritual, mental, emotional pieces weren't fully there until I grew with Reiki and other things and my intuition and really tapping into that deeper inner knowing about food and the life force of food mm-hmm. and not, not coming from a fear-based place. Yeah. And I know you offer a lot of services and we'll, we'll chat about those, but do you, so you kind of touched a little bit about my next question was, do you incorporate all of your nutritional knowledge somehow into your program? And I know a lot of people do Reiki on their food, you know, um, yes. maybe before, you know, eating. And so talk to me a little bit about that. And do you incorporate that nutritional aspect with any of your programs? I do specifically the program I, we, I just finished every February, March, I teach the chakra activation method which is certification program. Um, it does specifically focus on using essential oils to rebalance our chakras, but there's also a component for the chakra diet. And there's a chakra diet ebook with recipes and videos of me from my kitchen creating and showing how to make recipes for each of the chakras each week of the program. And so that's a lot of fun, right? It takes me out of my office and into the kitchen and just brings that to yeah. life and shows that sounds people. so fun. <laughs> it, it's like where I, you know, I noticed like even when I watch back videos and stuff, I'm like, oh, I really kind of come alive, like when I'm talking about that and food and, and other people have commented this. So it's definitely an area that, like I said, keep has come full circle where it's a more holistic, balanced approach. But in my Reiki classes, I teach, you know, basic Yusui Reiki level one level two and level, you know, the master level and litarian. And in level two, I do start talking about it in level one, but two specifically where we send distant Reiki and they're more becoming practitioners. I give, I have prayers in different things of Reikiing your food, Reikiing different objects, but definitely prayers that we say, like I said, nutrition through the chakra. So when we get to the heart chakra, it's like eating with compassion for yourself, mm-hmm. for others, for the animals, for the planet. And so I have a prayer in there and in my Reiki classes where, you know, incorporate a prayer, incorporate Reiki, praying over the food, sending Reiki to the food, blessing it, blessing everyone involved from the plants, <laughs> um, the farmers, <laughs> the store mm-hmm. employees, where you got it from. So that's all incorporated into it, thinking about um, that love and compassion for for all involved that was responsible for bringing the food to your plate. And it can change the energy, change the vibration, you know, before you eat it. I love that. And you said you teach this teach this course two times a year or annually? Currently, I just teach the chakra activation course um, once per year um, because it's a ten it's ten weeks, so it's pretty mm-hmm. in- intense. And I teach another course in the fall, and in between, I, I teach Reiki and um, 
soon a new aroma reiki training so i saw um, that <laughs> so i kind of spaced it up <laughs> yeah you call that art art for aroma yes. training yeah yep. that sounds so interesting I, I why don't you tell listeners a little bit about about this course and you said i'm so sorry when did you say that you're going to be starting the the next course for that um, this is brand new, so it's going to begin um, the first week of June, but enrollment will open um, actually this week. So there's going to be like an early registration with a founding member rate, which I always do when I start um, a new program. So you can get it for a special price and because um, it's the first time I'm doing it. And then as I add and improve things over time, you know, I always give members those upgrades for free at no additional cost or anything. So brand new. <laughs> the idea is kind of an evolution of the course. I just talked to you about the chakra activation method because mm -hmm. I've been very passionate about working with essential oils. Since I started my Reiki practice, I, I've been attuned since 2009 and actually before Reiki. So if we were to do my the order of my healing journey, it was food, oils, Reiki. Because <laughs> the oils, I needed help. I was starting to get into all holistic things. And at first it was just a physical level with like pain in my legs, restless leg syndrome and needing to sleep. So the oils have been very important, a seminal part of my healing journey, but then it evolved as my Reiki practice evolved. So in this program specifically, we'll emphasize the importance for Reiki practitioners to be able to self-empty, to allow the divine to flow mm -hmm. th through them. And we know these beautiful sacred oils can be used well and integrated with many other healing modalities and if you know your energy healer reiki practitioner then adding sacred oils to your practice is going to enhance that work so i teach a very specific technique of, of selecting oils for yourself or for your clients and allowing the oils to guide you during a session um as you run your hands through the client's energy field pausing at different chakras and areas where you feel that stagnant or stuck energy. And so I believe as a practitioner, surrendering to the oils is one of the most important things <laughs> that we can learn. And this concept of self-emptying, which I teach in my Reiki practice, is becoming this, this vessel, this hollow vessel, allowing Reiki and the oils to work through you, I believe is probably the most important thing we mm -hmm. can master. So the course is really not like any other Reiki course or aromatherapy course I've seen. There's, of course, Reiki and there's aromatherapy, but this is a combination of many years of my knowledge, so training and certifications I've taken over a decade, but then my firsthand experiences. So I used to yeah. offer aroma Reiki sessions to my clients. So after just like basic Reiki sessions, it'd be like an upgrade, right? So I did chakra balancing and then I did aroma Reiki. So it's through knowledge, firsthand experience, and then wisdom, like the intuition or the divine guidance I get from the spirit of the plants and my spirit guides with my own intuition. So I believe it's very important for any spiritual mentor or teacher to use a combination of all three of those mm -hmm. um, and not just your intuition, the channeling intuition. And I'm not knocking anybody that does that. That's beautiful, but I'm very grounded. I'm very connected with Gaia and mother earth and the plants and receive messages from them as well as the intellect part of my brain, right? The left side, I'm very yeah. intellectual. I'm a, I'm a student, I'm a teacher. So, mm -hmm. so part of my soul plan is to integrate that. So in this mm -hmm. course, that's what I do. So of course I've been drawn to essential oils very early in my healing journey and have used them with clients. But in the past couple of years, especially, I would say, I actually created an Oracle card deck connecting with, saw the that. <laughs> with the spirit of the plant. So that kind of the program came first, then the deck to, mm -hmm. to be able to choose oils in a very intuitive way. But it was this past couple of years as I was connecting with the plants and oils are the soul of the plant. So mm -hmm. I would get these messages, right? Really connecting like, whoa, like writing this guidebook messages. And then it evolved into, which I've had the idea for Aroma Reiki for many years. It's just now putting it into an actual course. For the last couple of years, it's really shifted. Like something's reawakened and I'm sure you can attest to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of sh shifts happening, oh my right? Goodness, yeah. Like, like information that has been stored deep in our cellular memory and our soul is coming. So I've done additional studies in the Murafor tradition. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm -mm. Um, 
it was like being reawakened in me, like from a previous lifetime and kind of goes back to the session I had with you and Lemuria, yeah. Lemuria and that group that I was with was, yep. you know, we would do these, use these healing modalities and actually a connection with like the Rose and the sisterhood of the Rose. Mm-hmm. And it actually originated back then, but a big part of the Murafor tradition was actually uh, working with the dying and helping them transition peacefully. So the oils mm-hmm. um, help the dying, right? The individual to resolve any issues to free up their hearts as they prepare to leave this world. So the Murafor's intention was to help them return to wholeness, to clear their path before they transcend into the next life, right? While resolving the past issues. But in my work and in my purpose, as I rediscovered, well, my I'm supposed to use the oils here, is to apply that ancient tradition as it pertains to the living, mm-hmm. right? So I truly believe we are at this precipice of creating a new world, right? We're at this threshold, bringing heaven to earth, all of us in this path of uh, spiritual growth and those that are highly sensitive. And we know mystics have talked about this for for millennial, like time, ages. So we know this time was coming. And so for me, through, through Reiki and increasing my sensitivity to energy and then to the oils, I believe working with the oils in a very intentional and sacred way is has an important pull, a role during all of this transition. So in the ART course, um, I'm that's what I want to help others do, right? Teach them to assist humanity in letting go, to surrender, to heal, so they can align with their true highest self. And long ago, <laughs> you may have seen had this come up in some of your Mm -hmm. sessions, no doubt, right? There were women who knew the sacred art of working with sacred sacred oils. And they were called the Murafors or the Holy Myrrh Bearers. You may have heard of Myrrh, essential oil, right? I have, yes. There's no coincidence, frankincense Mm -hmm. and Myrrh were gifts as high as gold, right? Gold, frankincense, Myrrh. Mm -hmm. So Mary, Mary Magdalene was one of those. Right. Mm -hmm. And I believe (laughs) I probably was in a previous lifetime. And Mary Magdalene has returned uh, to my and many of our consciousness now as a very Mm -hmm. gentle, uh, very gentle, but sometimes fierce guide, (laughs) helping us, reminding us of our power, our truth, helping us remember who we are. And, you know, for years, we know she was kind of left out of, (laughs) left out of the teachings. Her voice is buried. But she's making her way back to its rightful place, right? As the priestess, the alchemist, she was the wise woman, a spiritual mm-hmm. guide. And I believe her journey was every woman's journey. She was an alchemist. And that's what you do when you're using these oils in this sacred way. So that's, I'll go beyond simply teaching the use of essential oils in a basic way, right? In a Reiki session, yes, from start to finish, but learn how to communicate with and intuitively use the sacred oils for the purpose of healing, transformation, restoring harmony in mind, body, and spirit. <laughs> One thing I want to go back and touch on that you were talking about, if I can, because I didn't learn this when I did my Reiki and uh, training, and I really wish my practitioner would have gone over it, was we talked about emptying the vessel and how important that is because we are, you know, we do need to invoke that hollow body so that the Reiki, the life force energy can flow through us. And what happens, like, let's say if I, Reiki practitioner, don't have that practice or that ritual of, you know, of emptying my vessel, like what can happen? Like, what are the consequences of that? Well, a couple of things. When we're not aware of our own patterns, areas of imbalance, right? Mm-hmm. Stuck energy, the Reiki is going to, Reiki is going to work on us. So is it going to flow through you in its clearest, truest, most powerful form? to benefit the person you're giving Reiki to? Probably not. And that doesn't mean that we have to be fully enlightened and have no issues and be completely healed. There's no such thing, right? Completely healed, but it's an awareness. So that's Mm -hmm. why I teach like in these phases of the A's, first you have to be aware, then you awaken, then you activate. So you're activating your chakras, you're activating your energy centers. And when you do that, it's like you're clearing the pipeline right? You're clearing away the debris that's preventing those centers from being open and shining brightly and spinning harmoniously. Then the everything spins in a vortex. So Reiki's coming in through you. Is it going to be working on your own imbalances, right? 
And so the more you just let yourself go, free yourself, take your mind out of the session, Reiki can just work through you. What I found, and I and I emphasize to all of my students, and I've been teaching, you know, well over 10 years now, Reiki classes, is that we have to take our ego and our expectations out of a session. And when you do that, Reiki can flow through in its highest, purest form because so it's so hard. And I never think we're here to demolish the ego. That's it's not even possible. We're always mm-hmm. going to have our ego, but it's about putting it in check, right? Not letting it run the show. And if you're not working on those lower three chakras, especially, and the solar plexus is connected to our human personality and our ego, and that's where all the power struggles come in, and it creates a bottleneck, a bottleneck to the heart. And it's like once you clear that that bottleneck, the floodgates open and you can really tap into the frequency of the heart, which I believe is where Reiki comes from. Our hands are an extension of our arms, which are connected to our heart chakra. So if you have blocks and imbalances in these areas, it's really hard to have the purest, strongest flow and force of Reiki, right? If we're so caught up in our mind and our own things and not aware of being a, you know, of empty vessel, then it's, 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 we're still too much in our ego. Like we're making it about us and like how strong the session can be. And, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, what a powerful healer I am. And, you know, really t- paying so much attention during the session, like you're the one doing the work. Well, what I find then to answer your question is another issue as a result of that is can be, you feel very depleted after a session, which you should right. not. Uh, because you're you're tapping into your own energy reservoirs <laughs> when we're really supposed to be tapped into an infinite endless supply. Mm-hmm. And so when you learn to do that, it's like, whoo, it's like takes the pressure off, takes everything out. You're just holding sacred space, basically. And when you know you work with other guides and angels and masters, which I do, they're there helping. They're the clients, guides, and angels. So you're just like really holding space, trying to take your ego and expectations out of it as much as you can and holding that sacred space. And it's going to elicit and foster the, the the deepest healing possible for that mm-hmm. person. So it's just what I'm hearing you say is it's just about surrender, like surrendering to the flow of the life force energy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The same is true for the oils, right? We can get yeah. so caught up in our head and the list and this is good for this and this is good for this. And this book says to use this for this. When you tune into the energy and the frequency, might be guided to use it in a different way or use a different oil for something different, right? When you're really open to receiving and surrendering to the messages. Mm-hmm. So shifting gears a little bit, when we talk about Reiki, I know there's a lot of different types of Reiki, but the most commonly used is the Yusui Reiki, which was developed by Mikhail Yasui in the early 1900s. And I know that you mentioned Nectarian Reiki. So what are the differences between the two? And then in your teachings, do you combine them or do you teach two separate styles of Reiki? Mm -hmm. So I do offer them as separate classes. So Reiki, (laughs) there's many different styles, right? Mm -hmm. Many different, many, oh gosh, I couldn't even name. I I had looked it up at one point and um, I can't even tell you how many different styles there are now, but Yusui was one of the main, right? In the path that, that we are familiar with, the path that I was trained in. So I do tend to stick with that. Mm -hmm. However, when you ask, do I do a fusion or mix things up? The only change I made to my original I've made several over the years, but because I eventually brought my teachings online way before it was the norm to do so. (laughs) And so my original uh, Yusui trainings, you know, was one, two and master all done in person. And I, you know, had a space in a yoga studio where I was getting very strong guidance to start an online school and, and teach online and offer sessions and classes virtually, right? This is back in 2016, 17 was the transition year for me. So way before the pandemic, right? When everybody started doing Reiki online. But before that, like my lineage and my teacher, you know, said attunements had to be done in person. And up until that time I did, but I kept getting this guidance, this guidance, you got to do it. You're going to do it online. So I did. <laughs> so the the only I still honor and respect, right, the original teachings of Yusui. But 
if you go back and really study and learn the way Yusui actually originally taught, there were not set hand positions. There were not all these crazy rituals for attunements. That's not how it started. Mm-hmm. That all evolved over time when it was brought to the West, to Hawaii, because you know the Western mind <laughs> needed techniques, I believe, needed rituals, needed to say, okay, this is how you do it. So it evolved to be able to... Um, transfer this information. So it's mm-hmm. not, so it was good, right? So it could spread because the way you Sui did it was very intuitive. He'd sit and, you know, with the, the Gakai, they would meet and they would basically just transfer <laughs> energy. And it, if we just did that with the average person in the West, right? Like, Oh, let me bestow the Reiki, Reiki energy on you. So it went from like that to like these really crazy, like you got to blow and spin around and holding your way in and all these forms of attunements that I learned. And I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this online? And I just kept, my guides kept showing me, I'd write my notebooks out and I'd have plans and I'm like, okay, I just got to overcome this fear. And so I just created a process of a guided meditation attunement, which I actually uh, just really appreciate because one, my Reiki students that want to become teachers, they feel so much more confident in being able to read a script and, you know, be able to do that without having mm-hmm. to remember all these routines and things and afraid they're going to mess up and draw the symbols wrong. The other thing it does, what I found, like literally I do guided meditations over Zoom like this in small group classes, and I read the meditation attunement. And what it does is, again, back to this idea of holding sacred space, you're taking your ego out of it. Mm -hmm. You don't actually have to go put your hands on someone's head and their crown chakra for them to receive Reiki. I believe Reiki's already there within all of us. It just has to be reactivated, remembered. And you don't have to put your hands on someone for that to happen. They're giving their permission Mm -hmm. and being open to receive. So it takes me literally out of it and puts them into their own direct source of connection of Reiki. And that's been just amazing. So I've been teaching online that way for several years now, and it's just awesome. But I still offer a basic Yusui level one, level two master in that way. And Litarian is um, something I is for Reiki masters only. So I see. It's a much um, simpler, there's no new symbols. It's just, again, very simple guided meditations, one-to-one. They're not, I don't offer them as classes. So I just do them one-to-one on Zoom. And it's a beautiful pathway, (laughs) very light. It's an expanded form of Yusui Reiki. And it was inspired by Ascended Master Buddha. And so Mm -hmm. it just uses vibrational bands, higher intensity and density to establish just a, a higher Reiki connection. And so, so I won't go into all the details, but just in their system, they believe that Reiki has different energetic bands with Yusui being at some of, you know, the first ones and then Litarian, it goes up the different levels of Litarian Reiki. So it's just going to enhance your connection I see. Um, with Reiki. It's not like a hierarchy, like this is better, the best. I always say, if someone tells you my Reiki is the best, this is the best way. I'm like, run. That's like, oh yeah. Like d- just do not know. <laughs> that is ego. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's probably like up to 25 different styles now. And I'm mm-hmm. all for it because I just believe it's evolved. Evolving. We are evolving. Earth is evolving. And so if someone's developing new styles, like my original master teacher was William Rand. That time I did the original Tibetan, you know, Yusui Reiki with him. And since that time, he's developed a new system called Holy Fire. And I just wasn't guided to that path mm-hmm. because I had learned Litarian and and then I was like, okay, that's it. I'm good. Like I don't need a new attunement. I don't need a new style. And those that follow that path, I believe, are meant to, or any yeah. other style. You know, there's Jikid and Reiki, there's Sikkim, Sikkim Reiki, there's all sorts, there's <laughs> all sorts of styles. And it's not one is pure or best or strongest, mm-hmm. right? Reiki, I believe Reiki is Reiki. And so, however, though, as you progress through the levels, it's to me, it's just more like a next level of, of being ready, being receptive. Yeah. You're just being attuned to different to different bands that you can access, right? You're ready to draw that into your being and share it with the world, humanity, earth, animals. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you're going to naturally be drawn to the right style. Yeah. and teacher. That I think a lot about your resonance with a teacher is the most important. So I teach my students to really hold space, to build community, to create that relationship, because if someone feels 
eh, a little nervous or afraid or they don't really resonate in the class, that could block them from receiving the full fl flow of Reiki in an attunement. So the first part of my attunement process is actually a clearing of the chakras um, from any patterns or imprints that <laughs> you may have that's been blocking you from receiving the flow of Reiki. Because I believe we all have access to it. What level you're able to receive that into your being varies from person mm -hmm. um, to person. So that's just my personal belief. I have a whole belief on attunements and what they actually are. And I think we went so far one way with the human ego and creating all these things. And it has to be done this way. And this is the best way. And this is the right way. And people get hung up on arguing about the history of Reiki and what was this the right way. I just don't spend my yeah. energy there. I'm like, what's the point of spending your energy on that? Like arguing about that. And we can just use this beautiful energy for the benefit of all. And so and that's just my personal take. <laughs> And, you know, I'd like to go back and touch a little bit too about like the distance healing, because so many times in various uh, modalities of healing, I feel like distance healing, you they try to stifle it. And that actually is something that happened in my, in my own sessions is that we were told, you know, not to do the distance healing. And there's a, a type of healing called BQH, which is beyond quantum healing, which is purely the, you know, the online sessions, distance healing. And that's, we did a BQH session. And I have gotten great success from my online, you know, healing sessions that I do. I would say that they are absolutely just as impactful and healing as an in-person session is. And so Anybody mm -hmm. who's out there who maybe is, you know, nervous about starting online or questioning it, I would say go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, have an online session or, you know, transition your practice so that you can help people online. The right clients will find you and come to you. And to your point, uh, you know, Andrea, it's just as powerful, you know, that there is no, there is nothing like, I think like, that we all have that life force in us, right? We all have that self-healing capability to your point. Mm -hmm. So yeah, exactly. With the distance healing. <laughs> and then, so when we talk about, you know, Yasui and then Lightarian, I noticed that you also have something, uh, which is the Lightarian angel links. Is that linked in with Lightarian Reiki or is that something that's different? Yeah. So the Litarian pathway, they have many different programs, different systems. And I originally just started with Litarian Reiki, and then I did the Litarian Angel Links. And I do offer those as well for those that are interested. I don't like broadly like promote it, or it's not like a huge part. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of people that, you know, have gone through my programs or gone through Reiki and they start becoming interested in connecting with the angels and want to go deeper with that especially if they've done Lightarian Reiki, they're already feeling connections with the angelic realm and the ascended masters. So what they are is just, again, very simple guided meditation attunement. So anybody can connect with the angels and the angelic realms, especially when you start getting attuned to Reiki and different things, you're opening up and connecting. So these are just a series of attunements that just kind of heighten that connection, mm -hmm. deepen that connection, fine tune it, make you more aware of their presence and and that sort of thing. I love that because, you know, as healers or people, you know, just I don't even like to refer to myself as a healer. Just, if you need help, I'm here to help you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but as helpers and light workers, it's important that we do have access, you know, to that, I feel to that angel energy so that we can pass that on to our clients in, you know, through ourselves mm -hmm. and become that vessel to channel that energy. Yeah. One thing I saw that you offer that I was actually super interested in was uh, the sacred uh, space mini course. And oh, yeah. so <laughs> I was I was looking at like, that is really cool because it's so important to have a unique space where you can have an altar. And so you walk clients mm -hmm. through like how to create the sacred space. Yeah. So, so in my pathway, I know it sounds like I offer a lot of different things like, wow, she's, <laughs> but what I've learned how it's evolved over the years is some people might be ready for this as like a starting place. And some might be ready to go this next level. So across kind of what I offer, I've organized it as like the teacher in me, my background as a coach and a consultant into like these five A's of the healer success path. Mm -hmm. So awareness, I believe is the first step, the first A. And when you start becoming aware, right, it's like, oh, like maybe recently people started becoming, realizing they haven't been living their best life. Something needs to change. They're starting to feel more connected with spiritual things. They're ready to 
maybe meet that inner part of them, that inner child, and um, maybe fairly new to energy healing or spirituality. They tried some different techniques. So creating a sacred space or just, you know, and then the way I break it down in that mini course is just having any area, right, where you can devote to this time to be with you, to go within, right? First and foremost, because we're so busy and preoccupied with everything happening in our external world, right? The busyness of life around us. And so creating a little space. And even if you don't have a whole room, you know, in the course, I say just designate a part of the room, a shelf, right? You could have a portable sacred space, a little altar, <laughs> right? So it's like no limits, no excuses. But if you're ready to start this journey, like, just having somewhere you can go to meet with yourself is the first step. Like you have to have some consistent time to, to get quiet your overactive mind and, and go within. And, and it's just little tools and tips. And one powerful thing of that mini course is um, sound healing activations that I partnered with a sound healer, Sharon um, Karn. She owns, she's the founder of the Sound Wellness Institute in Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, we created, she created three tracks. There's like three phases that go along with the phases of the creating your sacred space. So there's like, first you physically clear, right? And then we energetically clear while the sound healing tracks playing in the back, like stirring up, bringing up the dense energy of the space. And then bringing in the light is the third phase. And there's a meditation in there. Speaking of archangels, where I bring in, uh, invite in Archangel Jophiel into your space for for clearing um, and bringing in joy and lightness. Mm. And so we do, I do integrate, you know, the Reiki and the oils and the sound, and there's mention of oils and different things in there for creating a sacred space for first doing physical cleansing, then energetic cleansing, and then bringing in the light. Cause sometimes people want to do too much all at once. (laughs) So in all my programs, I guess one thing you'll see is consistent about me is that I bring this like real practicality to this work that you need kind of like a path. Sometimes we do need systems. We still are human. And that part of our mind needs to feel, makes us feel good. It makes us feel confident. Like, okay, I can do this. Then I can do this. Then I can do this. We don't have to make it so rigid. Like, Oh, I have to follow all these steps. But sometimes I think it's so overwhelming for people. They get Mm -hmm. excited. They get all the books, they do all these trainings. And then they're, they're so overwhelmed with so many different ideas that then they don't do any of it. Yeah. So I'm big on having like some systems, some steps, some phases. And that's just kind of how I I teach things. And I can definitely relate to that. Uh, You know, just learning so much and soaking up all this knowledge. And then it's like, once you have the knowledge, like, uh, where, where do I start? Where do I begin? And I have a pattern or used to have a pattern of getting stuck in like analysis paralysis, right? I would want to like roadmap things and have a timeline. And then I would get so wrapped up in like my conscious mind trying to, yeah. that I wouldn't actually start. And when I finally took a step back, I'm like, I just need to take a baby step. And so I actually yeah. broke it down to, even if it's one baby step a day or one small thing a week, and then when you look back on your path, how far you've come, like you're actually doing it. And so yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that, you know, that you simplify that for people. And, you know, I, the one thing that stood out to me about that particular course that you offer is because we're redecorating my room and I want to, <laughs> I want to create a sacred space and I didn't know where to start. And so when I stumbled across that, I was really intrigued. <laughs> yeah. And that. that's kind of like the entryway mm-hmm. It's self self-paced, take it at your own, you know, watch it on your own time where some of my other more intense courses are obviously more of a financial investment, a time investment. There's live aspects. There's a whole company. So I, like I said, I think people reach you at different stages on their journey or need different things. So I try to offer kind of like a little suite of things. It's like, okay, here's a good place to start. It's very affordable. Watch it at your own time and just get started. Mm -hmm. And then in there is mention or links or things that could, if you want to take it a step further, what could you do next sort of thing. But yeah, that's always a good place to to start. (laughs) And then, so like, in addition, we touched on this a little bit earlier to your amazing courses that you offer, you have the Shine Collective, which is like a community. And correct me if I'm wrong. So in your collective community, then you pay, is it like a monthly membership so that you have access Mm -hmm. to, you know, like online sessions and circles or talk to us a little bit about the community that you've created if somebody's interested in that. 
Yes. It's primarily Reiki practitioners, but I say mm -hmm. any, any spiritual seeker or those interested in energy healing are welcome to join us, but we do have a monthly Reiki share circle. So we give and receive Reiki in small breakout rooms once a month, but yes, it's exactly what it is. So a lot, the way it originated was my Reiki students needing a place to come to stay connected and deepen their practice over time, right? It's like, sometimes you go and you take a one-off Reiki class, six hour, one day class. And that's it. Like literally that was it after my Reiki master. It's like, okay, here's your schedule. Here's your manual. Like you're a Reiki master now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Thank goodness. My background is teaching and education. So I could pull the materials and I could organize things and put it together. And I had that, but I'm thinking, wow, a lot of people like struggle. Like, what do I do now? You know? Mm -hmm. And so, so over the years, it just evolved, you know, it was a small, just little free group at first. And then I was putting much more time and energy and resources into it. So it is a, you know, low cost, no time commitment membership, right. Where people could stay as long as they want. If they get, you know, feel like they receive what they need from it. Or I've had some that have been in there for years that just love it. They're like part of the collective. We say we're the collective because <laughs> you meet your soul tribe, right? And so I offer, it's organized. Again, my organization is I have to have systems. I have to have things in place. So there's three live sessions um, per month in the collective. And so the first week is um, an overview. So we have a theme or a topic for every month. So it's not just random. This year, it was all guided by, I did a 12-month Oracle card spread for the group. And each card has a message and a theme. And that drove my intuitive guidance into how to organize content for the group for this year. Last year, it was a little different, but all the previous year's workshops are in the in a membership portal. So it's kind of like Netflix for Reiki practitioners, I say. I love that. <laughs> Go in and look for topics, nutrition for intuition, um, connecting with your spirit guides, cord cutting, like whatever it is, mm -hmm. there's workshops in there. So you can kind of like binge them at your own time or just do the live theme of the month, which last month was on self-worth. And so the first week is an overview and I do live card readings for the group members. So I take requests, give messages, and then I do a message for the group. And so that's the first week. Week two is a workshop where I actually have slides and I go deep into a topic with some tangible concrete techniques that you could try out. And then the third week is our group Reiki healing circle. So we come together live on Zoom. We go into break small rooms where they practice giving and receiving. So it helps you practice, right? Sending Reiki, connecting with other practitioners. And then we come back together, whole group on Zoom to do a group healing circle where we put requests in the center. And so that's how the, the month flows. And we have different topics that are going to help deepen your practice as a Reiki healer and stay connected with other mm -hmm. healers, right? So it's not about competition. We're moving out of that paradigm of competition, right? Where women are pinned against each other. And in order to succeed, I got to have more followers than you. And this is a different energy I've created for this container where it's about collaboration, it's community, it's coming together. So even this month, I'm, you know, I invite different people on to share skills or things that they could teach or offer. And I'm inviting um, members to volunteer to come on. Do you want to come on live with me? One, that's going to increase their confidence in sharing and presenting, right? Because I want to help them grow. I know that's part of my sole purpose, right? As a teacher of teachers, as my background, I was a coach for teachers in like elementary school. And now I'm a coach, you know, and teacher of healers. So so that's what I do is try to create that sacred space to help them deepen their own practice over time, but increase their own confidence and self-worth and, you know, shine. So the whole acronym shine, you notice across my sites, right? You see shine. Yeah. For... <laughs> I was going to ask you what the acronym was. I was going there. <laughs> so everything. Yeah. Everything's about the shine. <laughs> everything's about the shine. And I use that a lot. And I know it can be somewhat of a cliche when I say shine today or shine your light. It's not just a catchphrase. It's mm -hmm. everything. It's my whole business, the shine school of healing arts, the shine collective <laughs> shine, shine, shine. Um, so, so I'll tell you the acronym, acronym in a minute, but they're based on the five Reiki principles. So I realized my purpose, when you go back to your other question about what type of Reiki do I teach and believe in, I do bring to life the Yusui Reiki, mm -hmm. but in my own way for the modern world and emphasizing the Reiki principles, because instead of just repeating them and reciting them and not really giving 
credit to them. It's what does that mean? And they're everything. Because when our identity and our consciousness are based in our ego or personality, whether than our higher self, our divine self, our true self, right? We have no true center to stay balanced, to stay peaceful in the chaotic world changing every day around us. <laughs> we're like the small boat just being bounced around to see all the waves of the ocean just, and we're just going with, you know, being bounced around. But when you learn to live from your higher self, right? You're no longer that small boat. <laughs> we're actually the whole ocean mm-hmm. and you're able to stay centered in that divine light, in that divine love, which Reiki is right. And so no matter what external situations happen around you, or what kind of energy is around you. Cause you know, sometimes those of us who are highly sensitive are very susceptible to things happening. We see things happening, situations with people or on the news. So yeah. in learning to become your higher self, we're not separate from this part. We're not cut off, right? We become our true self. So Reiki and this five Reiki principles of shine helped me like really live these every day, make it my practice, make it my intention. So that's just a part of when you talked about having a very simple morning practice, that's my daily practice is the sh- just reciting and, and meditating on the five shine principles. And, you know, the, the light of that divine itself expands and then expands to everyone around you when you're conscious of it. So you learn to be led by your spirit instead of driven by your ego. The ego. <laughs> and Right. So those principles it all comes back to that, right? Mm-hmm. So those that that ego is, has a stronghold on us, sabotages our goals, right? Creates lack, creates limitation, creates divisiveness. And so it's not about ignoring or escaping our thoughts, right? Like so one of the Reiki principles is do not anger, do not worry. That was the original Japanese translation. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first learned Reiki one, I was like, whoa, I'm never supposed to get angry again. I'm never supposed to worry again. And worry was like my Achilles heel. Like that's what literally made me sick. I would, it was chronic, chronic racing thoughts, chronic worry. And so I didn't really understand the Reiki principles, right? They're just kind of mentioned in your Reiki one class. Mm -hmm. You you get a poster, you you say them, but there's something lost, I think in the translation, like I don't think people really understood, right? From Japan to what, what is this really about? So long story short, it's about what, you know, these things that in our life, how to face them every day. They may, like you said, when we started these catalysts, they seem like problems at first can end up being our greatest blessings and opportunities. So when you live these Reiki principles, you start to see the world through that lens, right? These external events, these challenges, these difficult situations are people, they don't upset us like they once did, or if they do, we're able to release it so it doesn't lock into our energy fields and end up manifesting as physical illness in our body. So it reduces our suffering. <laughs> Which so, I see it every day. Like, I'll, you know, yeah. real quick, you know, in my self-healing sessions is that the number one root cause of discomfort in the body is trapped emotions that has manifested into something greater. So for instance, uh, and it's very interesting how the body will keep certain emotions in certain places. So stomach yes. digestive issues is always anger. Anger. <laughs> yeah, liver. it's like exactly is like anger. Um, fear is in the mind and is usually headache. Um, vision will be like a trapped, you know, emotion of fear and mm-hmm. sadness. Sadness always mm-hmm. resides in the heart. Yep. Yeah. And those things when they don't have the opportunity to process and, you know, be released from the body, then they become bigger issues and health concerns. Exactly. And that was my huge aha, because I would see patterns. And that's how my chakra balancing session started. Um, I would feel change of sensations um, Mm -hmm. over the body, right? And I'd get guidance from my guides about the chakras and what was held there in certain ages of our life, right. Associated with certain things and where we hold certain stuck emotions in the body. Um, so it's all connected. And that's one thing in in the aroma Reiki training course that I'm teaching is like the emotional release processes with certain very specific oils, because they're very powerful in releasing stuck emotions because of the frequency they work on the amygdala, which is that part of our brain Mm -hmm. all connected to our inner child and our subconscious where we store that, those feelings. But um, so just to go back to the shine principles, I will just give the acronym real quick. So if people are wondering, well, what does shine stand for? (laughs) Uh, So it's my take on those five Reiki principles, right? So 
I just reworded it because it came to me in meditation. It was like one of those, I get acronyms a lot. So like in my chakra activation method program, there's activate is the steps. And I'd write it. I have old journals and notebooks where it was just like, come to me. And then I journal. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was like, you know, you get tingles in the crown. And so the shine acronym came and I was like, okay. So I like reworded um, the, the Reiki principles. So S is be sensitive, which is um, based on just for today, be kind and compassionate. So it's Mm -hmm. be sensitive to your needs and show kindness and compassion to yourself and others. So it's like seeing sensitivity as a secret gift. I don't call myself an empath. I think that's very limiting and (laughs) I'm glad that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day, but using your sensitivity as your greatest strength. So today, just for today, be sensitive. H is be in harmony or harmonious. So letting go of anger, which is, it's based on that principle today, do not be angry and letting go of resentment, forgiving yourself and others. So you can feel at peace. I and shine is live in integrity. Mm. So this is based on Yusui's principle of do your work honestly, which I think a lot of people misinterpreted because we Mm -hmm. hear the word work especially in the Western world, it's like our job, right? Going yeah. to our job, doing your job, <laughs> but this is your inner work and your outer work. So are you showing up? Are you living these principles with integrity? Are you being true to yourself and being honest, right? Doing your work, honestly, like what you're meant to do in the world, right? And then N is notice the good, which is based on gratitude. So noticing the good in yourself and others, staying in that higher frequency, emotion of gratefulness, gratitude, And then E, the final letter is elevate your thoughts. So this is the fear and the worry. So you see how those emotions that we just talked about, they're all woven in there. So it's all connected. So if you make this your daily practice and have different oils and different techniques for emotional release that go along with these, um, it's so powerful. So that's become like my daily practice. That's what I teach in the Shine School, Reiki School classes and in the Shine Collective. Like we really emphasize this. So when I say Shine or the Shine Collective, it's to embody these, these uh, words that I just said, and like, what does that mean? Like, how do we actually bring them to life instead of just saying, okay, today I will not be angry today. I will be kind. You know, we just like sometimes go through the motions and say these things, but what does it really look like when you're actually living it? So that's what shine stands for. <laughs> you know, and I did like to touch on what you said about elevating, you know, your thoughts and releasing fear and worry, because that is so important right now. And, you know, I feel like everybody at their core is universal and we all want to pursue our passion and find a meaningful life. And that's the reason why we're here. But once we're able to elevate and release those thoughts and worries, then we can really step into our purpose. Exactly. And, you know, is there any final like thoughts or advice that you'd love to leave listeners with today as we wrap up our session? No, just, you know, depending on where you are on your journey, I like you know, what we said about it can be so overwhelming. There's so many different things. I think just pick something that you're feeling drawn to and just have a consistent practice for a certain amount of time. I think you get the greatest results. If you just show up, you you don't try to do too much, but you do one simple technique or a practice. For me, it's like inhaling the oils, using the Reiki principles, repeating my affirmations. And even if I only have five to 10 minutes a day, I can commit to that. Right. So you don't have to think like I have to sit on a meditation cushion for 30 to 60 minutes (laughs) and then you just don't do anything because that seems so overwhelming. So there's small little things that have great impact in how you show up and your energy you bring Mm -hmm. to your day, to the world. It's going to impact others around you. So just being energy aware, being mindful of that. Right. How are you shining? How are you shining today is what I always say. (laughs) Where can listeners go to find out more about you? The main place I kind of hang out in a community is a free Facebook group called Shine From Within with Andrea. And that's a free free group. Um, Facebook is just andreafraser.biz. I do have Instagram as well, Andrea Mm -hmm. Fraser. I haven't been on there as much as engaged on in Instagram because my groups on Facebook where the where most action happens, the live readings and sometimes just live Reiki sessions in that group if you're interested in that. But then just my website, yeah, AndreaFraser.com. And there's a free chakra balancing meditation they could download on there as well. I think I gave you the link for that. So. Yeah, I love that. I'll include all of the links in the show notes for listeners today. 
And, you know, I just want to say thank you for everything you do, Andrea, because your work is so important. I really love one thing that you did, well, a lot of things that you said, but one thing that actually stood out to me was about how we, you know, we get trained to be a Reiki practitioner and then that's it. Like, bye, okay, you had your six hour training, now go off (laughs) and do Reiki and you just feel a little bit lost and maybe don't know where to start. And so community is so important. So thank you for being the one to bring the practitioners together and really, you know, form this community of light workers. It's so impactful and so important. Thank you. I mm. I love it. I'm embracing it more and more and more is my purpose and <laughs> and not holding back anymore. <laughs> I love that. So. Well, thanks for coming on the show today and we'll chat again soon. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by The Soul Experience, quantum healing hypnosis. Are you ready to embark on an inward journey of quantum healing? Quantum healing hypnosis is the most profound method of inner work and self-healing someone can do while on a spiritual path. In a single session, you experience past life regression, exploration between lifetimes, self-healing performed by your subconscious, release of trapped trauma, and answers to your most important life questions. Your higher self has a message for you and is here to help you and guide you on this life journey. Book a session today with Jennifer Mitchell at thesoulexperiences.com.